we walk by faith or not by sight. See, we are not to be thrown off by our circumstances and our feelings about what's going on. That's what throws us off, our circumstances and our feelings. But God said we don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. Because your feelings will cause you to be sad and sorrow and fearful. But your faith will cause you to have confidence that God is going to bring you out. Believers ought to live on the promises of God and on the Word of God. Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. The only hope we have is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The hope in Christ is eternal. You may be facing some tremendous challenges right now. Join us today as we share this message with you about hope. We began this past week to look at a message that Peter had given to the church. And he started out with a real theological, spiritual message to the church in his first letter, in 1 Peter, telling us that we were born again. We, were, we had a new birth in Christ, and we've been born not by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He talked about how we were aliens and strangers in this world, but we have a new world that we're living in, and he went on to talk about us being a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That is so encouraging to those of us who have given our lives to the Lord to know who we are. Regardless of who we are, we have to live every day in this world. The Bible tells us that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. What that means is we have to function in this world, but we, the people of God, Um, lives in a different kingdom by a different set of rules and principles, and we call that the principles of God or principles of the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus said these words, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God, which means there is more than one kingdom you can seek. So seek first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? God's way of doing things. He has a way of functioning in his kingdom. Our challenge is that when we get saved, we're not quite transformed to thinking and functioning by kingdom principles. We have to learn the things of God, and then we have to uh, be transformed in our thinking have to be transformed in our thinking because we still think and respond like we did before we were saved until we are transformed by the renewing of our minds by meditating on the Word of God and putting that Word into practice so that we can function differently. We cannot do a lot of the things that Jesus Christ said we should do living by the old kingdom standards. He says, bless those who persecute you. We can't do that if we are still living by the old kingdom mindset. When somebody persecutes us, we want to get them back. 
When somebody slap us, we don't want to turn the other cheek. We'll come up with all kinds of reasons not to do that. We'll say, well, you know, that was then and this is now. Jesus wasn't talking about the real cheek. He just mean kind of figuratively turn. You know, we'll get another version of the Bible. We'll get the message that says, thou shalt look in another direction when somebody strike thee on the cheek. No, he said, if somebody hits you, And when he was spat on and when he was slapped, he did not slap back. See how hard that is? I don't know if I can do that. Somebody already said that. I heard you up here. I don't know if I could do that. Well, you keep getting transformed because we want to talk about living like Jesus in this chaotic culture, which means that you're going to be taken advantage of sometimes. And you're going to feel like you're coming in on the short end sometimes because you're doing things according to how God wants us to do it. But I'm going to tell you this. Whenever you do things the way God wants you to do it, you're never going to come out on the short end. It may look like you're going to come out on the short end, but you're not. It may look like it to others. People might talk about you. I don't know why you take that from other folk. If that was me. But you need to ask them, are you saved? If they say no, then you say, well, it ain't you. Peter then said, let me just give you some information because we're living in a chaotic time under Roman rule, and these Romans are tough, and they have some tough uh, practices. But we are the people of God, and we got to function under these practices, but we need to function in a way that God will be pleased with us. There were four things, again, that he wanted them to understand. And number one, he wanted them to get themselves aligned with their association with Christ. Become aligned. Don't forget who you are and who you belong to. Secondly, you need to understand who you are. You are the redeemed. You are the people of God. You are not the people of the world. And then we want you to get your act together. Get your act together. In other words, I want you to act like you belong to God. And then fourthly, I want you to get your attitude together. I want you to get your attitude together. In reference to being aligned with Christ, Peter said this in chapter 2, verse 1, rid yourselves of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, and then grow up in your salvation. Come on, grow up in your salvation. You've been saved for 20 years. Come on, it's time for you to grow up. You've been saved for 20 years. You ought not be on edge. You ought not have no anger problem. You ought not have to go take anger management, and you've been saved for 20 years. Grow up. Then he said you need to get an assurance of who you are in Christ. We talked about being a chosen generation. And then he says we need to act like Christ. That's where it gets uh, challenging, and this text becomes very challenging. Again, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, He uses a word that none of us really enjoy, and that word is submit. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. And then verse 15, we didn't spend much time talking about this, but it says, For it is God's will that by doing good you silence 
the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor your president. The reason he wants you to honor your president is because he's the president, not because of who the person is. I'm just thinking about Jesus was out there praying for the woman, or about to pray for the woman with the issue of blood, and the Roman centurion came up to him and said, my daughter is sick. Remember that? Jesus says, I'll come pray for her. And he says, no, you don't have to come pray for her. Just speak the word. He says, what do you mean speak the word? He says, I'm a man that understands authority. And you have that authority to speak the word. I respect that authority. Just speak the word. I understand authority. And Jesus looked around at his disciples and said, now that man understands how things work. There are authorities. God honors authorities and those whom he puts in positions of authority, whether you like it or not. Moses' brother and sister somehow at one time got to the place where they want to talk to Moses and say, who died and put you over everybody? Why you got to be the one that leads all the people? You know why he got to be the one that leads all the people? Because God says, you the one that leads all the people. And they might not have liked him. They might have said, you my brother. I know you got some issues. You know, remember when you did this? I remember when you did that. It doesn't matter. God says he is in authority. And he put leprosy on both of them because they were acting crazy. God understands authority. He says without proper authority, things can't work properly. And you will understand that the moment you are in a position of authority. <laughs> if you've never been in a position of authority, you don't understand that. Just be in a position where you have to lead others and have an assignment to get others to do things through you. You want them to do just what you say. So that word uh, used then is submissions. But we live in a culture where all we are looking for primarily is though, are those things that benefit us regardless of how it makes others feel or what others say about it. It's just me and this is the way I feel. This is the way I think. I don't see it that way. I don't agree with you. Therefore, I'm not going along with your authority because I don't agree with you. The Bible says, for the Lord's sake, Peter was careful to point out that Christians in a society represents Jesus Christ. You represent Jesus Christ on your job. Well, I can put it this way. How many of you are on a job right now and the people that work with you don't know you're a Christian? I'm going to see if you want to confess that. I work on a job, but the folks don't know anything about my beliefs. They don't know that I'm a Christian. They don't know that I go to church. They don't know that I read the Bible. They don't know that I serve. They don't know that I pray. They don't know that I have faith. They don't know any of that. How many people say that? I go to work. These folks don't know nothing about me. I've been there 12 years. If that's not the case... The people that work with you know then that you are a believer. That's what you're telling me. How many people are working in a place where the folks know you're a believer? Uh, somebody now didn't raise your hand on either one. So w which one is it? How many of you work in a place or in a job, wherever, where the folks know you're a believer? You work around folks. They know it. 
Well, when they know it, they are looking at you to see how a believer is supposed to function. So you say you're a believer, you say you're a Christian, but isn't it ironic how strange how unbelievers know how believers are supposed to act? They say, you say you're a Christian, how can you act like that? Well, when you are a believer, you are representing Christ on your job. Not only are you representing Christ on your job, you're representing Christ at the restaurant when you're eating. You're representing Christ at the gas station when you're getting your gas. And when you're talking to the attendant, you're representing Christ when you're hanging up on the marketer that called your house. And you just hang up on them with a mean attitude. I don't want to hear that. You're representing Christ. Answer the phone that says, you have just reached a Christian. How can I help you? Try that. Answer your phone that way. You've just reached a Christian. How can I help you, please? Peter was careful to point out that, again, that Christians are representative of Christ. And that's true when it comes to our relationships with the government officials and with people in authorities. Listen, it's possible to submit to the institution and still disobey an unjust law. So it doesn't mean that because you are submissive that you have to uh, obey everything if it is unjust or against God's word. For example, when uh, Daniel and his three friends refused to obey the king's dietary regulations, they disobeyed the law, but the way they did it proved that they honored the king. They asked for permission. Can we do something different? This is against our, our principle. Can we do something different? They honored the king and they respected the authority. They were not rebels. They weren't trying to get everybody else together. Let's go on a hunger strike until we can get this done. No, they didn't try to embarrass the officials. They worked through the system. They glorified God and at the same time, they honored the authority of the king. How does that work for us today? We're not in kings and kingdoms and have uh, these authorities, but what we do have are kings, if I can use that word, and authorities, primarily that affects us on our jobs, if we are employed. Now, if you are an employer, you are serving your customers. If you are an employee, you have a boss. And how many of you in here just love your boss? So I was going to ask it the other way, but I started, I better ask it in the positive. We had three people love their boss. The other don't, don't love them. Y'all just like them. How many of you wish you had another boss? You wish you had another boss. You wish you had somebody else. But the thing that is is valuable to us as believers is that we have to function day by day in this system. That'd be okay if you were born rich and you didn't have to work. You You lived on an island by yourself and all your needs met. You got servants waiting on you. You don't have to interact with anybody. You know, Howard Hughes, who was a recluse, he lived by himself, just had somebody come and give him something to eat and whatever, and he didn't see anybody. He didn't need to see anybody. So nobody messed with him. He didn't mess with anybody. But he was uh, isolated and alone. But we don't live that way. We have to get up 
regularly, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and interact with people. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in a situation where constantly we're not enjoying our life on a day-by-day basis because we got to do all these interactions. We can come to church and have a good time for a few minutes, but we got to get up the next day and go to work, and that work is drudgery. I've been in a place where I hated to go to work. Why is that? Because of the environment, the people, the circumstances that are going on. But I found out that I had to change that. I have to change that. It became important to me to enjoy my life every day. I want to enjoy my life every day. So what do I need to do different? so that I can enjoy my life every day, regardless of how challenging it might be. It doesn't mean that it's not challenging. It means that even with the challenges, I have found a way to enjoy. Somebody asked me one time, how can you come into this job singing like that, coming from the parking lot? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I mean, I'm singing out loud, walking in. How can you come in like that? All of my self-worth and identity is not tied up in this job. I come in here and I do what I need to do and I'm on out of here. I ain't thinking about this. I told somebody one time, don't worry about the mule, just load the wagon. I'm good. (laughs) So whatever you need to do, I can only do so much. I mean, I ain't trying to do everything. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to do it as you want me to do it, but I'm going to enjoy whatever it is. It may be tough. It may be challenging, but I'm going to find a way to make this work so that I can enjoy. I need to enjoy the people I'm around. And if it's a situation where we're having conflict, I'm going to go and work that so that we can work that conflict. My point is, you are in control of your enjoyment. The authorities are not in control of it. But if you buck the system in terms of all the authorities that's in there, that doesn't mean you can't ever question or you can't ever try to push back on something. It means whenever you do it, you do it in a way that's going to be a blessing to you and not going to put you in a bad spot. That is what Peter is talking about. Look at what he says. God will get some glory out of how you do things, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. If I fast forward, I remember one time I was at a a meeting and uh, with management meeting, and I was sitting around the table, a couple of people were really giving me a hard time. By this time, I was saved. I, actually, I had been praying before I went into this meeting. I believed that we're great men of faith, that God can do mighty things. And so I was praying and believing that God would give me some wisdom to say some things that would just shut their mouths. Lord, would you just give me some wisdom that would just just make them embarrassed and just shut their mouths by your divine power in the name of Jesus. Speak to me, Lord. And the Lord spoke to me and said, shut up. Don't say a word. So as they just really gave me a hard time and was really beating up on me, I didn't say a word because I wanted to get something arranged and I wanted to have it done a certain way. By the time the meeting was over and the discussion was over, it was decided to arrange that thing in the way that I wanted it. Thank you, Lord. I didn't have to say a thing. About a week later, I got a note from another manager that said, I was watching 
how you responded while you were under attack. And I'm impressed that your Christian virtue proved itself at that meeting. Your talk of what God does can silence foolish men who are trying to take advantage of you. You never know who's watching you and who's looking at you. I, I don't already told people I'm saved now and I'm a different person and I've given my life to Christ and my walk has changed, my talk has changed, my way has changed, my approach has changed. I haven't said all that, but I need to demonstrate that. So other folks that I said it to is check in. So for the Lord's sake, wherever you are, I believe that each of us have the capacity with God's help to have every day be a blessed day wherever we are. Every day to be a blessed day. That's why the scripture says, in all your ways acknowledge the Lord and he will direct your path. When you get up in the morning, you're asking God's blessing. You're asking his wisdom. You're asking his favor. You're asking him how to respond under these situations that are very tough and challenges. Instead of just laying in the bed all night long, figuring out what you're going to say and how you're going to get back or how you're going to tell somebody off that's going to mess with you, sit up and pray and ask God, how do I need to handle this? Give me the strength. Give me the peace in the middle of a storm just to weather this storm, God, and I thank you and I praise you. He'll give you peace right in the middle of a storm, right on your job. So there are things that we have to do according to the officials, according to government, according to regulations. So as much as possible, we need to seek to cooperate with the authorities, with the government, and obey the laws. We need to obey the laws, not allowing the law then to make us disobey God's word, but we need to obey the law. I was talking to somebody today who said they had got fired on their job. And I said, why did you get fired? And they were telling me what they were doing. And I said, it was a violation of company policy. Well, did you know that? And they said, yes. I said, well, why did you do it? I was just doing something. What do you mean you're just doing something? The policies say don't do that. So why are you doing that? Be a policy person. You know, I've been on both sides where I have uh, I've been the employee and well, I've already been the employee, but I've been the manager that had to help make decisions on firing people and hiring people based on their performance and how they're acting. And that's very challenging. But some people make it real easy for you. You have to fight to hold their job, not to try to get rid of them because they just do all kinds of things. There were times when we were thinking about promoting somebody. But they done flew off the handle and started acting crazy, and we changed our minds about promoting them. We have to obey the authorities when we build this building because they're building codes. We can't say we're a church and you can't give us nothing. The authorities come by, and we have to comply with the rules and the regulations. Uh, Peter then says that we ought to respect the authorities, respect the boss, respect, the, respect those who are in authority over us. It's going to help things go better with us. I certainly hope that you've enjoyed today's broadcast as we have looked at living like Christ in a chaotic culture and having the hope that's eternal in Christ so that we're not looking only at what's going on with us now, but what Christ has in store for us. I want you to be encouraged today because our hope is in Christ Jesus. If you would like to hear today's message again, 
you can go to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can listen to today's message or previous messages that have aired on this station. Let me take just a moment to invite you to be our guest at The Light of the World. We meet each Sunday in person at 16161 Old Humble Road in North Houston. If you're in Humble, Kingwood, Summerwood, Fall Creek, Northeast Houston, you're in our neighborhood. So come and be our guest. If you're going through some tremendous challenges in your life right now, call us for prayer at 281-964-1393. That's 281-964-1393. You can also visit us online at lowcf.org. lowcf.org. We are excited about having the Beacon Bookstore right here on our campus. People have been coming from all over the city to get Bibles, communion supplies, offering envelopes, books, and study material. So call the Beacon, 281-441-2885. Again, that's 281-441-2885. If the Beacon doesn't have it, we can order it for you. This is Jerry G. Martin saying, May the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.